This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. From the diamond, to the clubhouse, to the front office, this is the show that feeds the passion for all Twins fans. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are made. Well, good morning and welcome to a very special edition of Inside Twins, which of course is brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created and legends are made. We have all sorts of different guests. We've had Wes Johnson, Rocco Baldelli, Thad, Derek, uh, Jeremy Zoll has joined us. We've heard from virtually every corner of the organization, Dave St. Peter, Jim Polad, and today VP of Player Personnel, Mike Radcliffe, one of my all-time favorites, is joining us from his home in Kansas City. And for a very special reason, Mike, I know you hate to talk about yourself pretty much more than anything in the world, but you have recently been named as the 16th member of the Killebrew Root Beer Professional Scouts Hall of Fame. And seeing as how our program is brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer as well, it seems like perfect synergy. I am going to start with a very simple congratulations. You are joining a list of your peers, of your mentors, of your friends. And I uh, think I speak for everybody when I say it's a well-deserved honor. Well, I appreciate that. It's it's very humbling to receive recognition from your peers. It's always one of the greatest honors anybody can receive in any any realm, any any work. But so yeah, I'm I'm real excited. And because of the name Killerbrew, more than anything, the legacy he has on our organization is beyond reproach. So be associated with anything with Killerbrew on it is truly an honor. Yeah, you're not quite old enough to have the original scout card on him out in Payette, Idaho, but uh, I would imagine you would have written him up pretty well. Uh, you're the 16th member, as I mentioned, and for Twins fans, the next time you're at a Mighty Muscles game or in spring training at Hammond Stadium, you can find the plaques. That's where you'll find uh, this uh, Professional Scouting Hall of Fame. And, Mike, you're going to be hanging up there with guys like Marty Scott, a guy I worked with at the Saints years ago, with Terry Ryan. Uh, of course, with Larry Corrigan, who I saw last year at spring training and a host of others. Uh, and and I know that the names that you'll be with are probably as important to you as, as just the, the fact that you're in there. Yeah, no doubt. A lot of those people had a great impact on my career and my life. So, yeah, again, it's a great honor. It's, it's tremendous to be honored by your peers. Tell me how you started as a scout. Uh, wh- where did it all begin for you? I mean, for Twins fans, you were the longest tenured you know, scouting director in the game. I think you came on board here in 87, which was a pretty good year in these parts. But how did the scouting life of Mike Radcliffe begin? Came on the Twins in 87, actually started scouting in 82. It was more by chance than anything else. Uh, unfortunately, a member of the Major League Scouting Bureau uh, passed away. And a, a scout who worked the mid, Midwest section of the country. And the supervisor for that region was a, a family friend of mine, Jay Hankins. I played baseball with his son growing up and he just asked me if I had any interest you know I I just started working at the time you know coming out of college and was in a management trainee program with 
at Cargill, which is a local company up there in Minneapolis, but a subsidiary down in Kansas City. And so I just started working there. And I said, sure, why not? <laughs> and having no idea what I was getting into, really. But, you know, baseball, what the heck? I love baseball. Why not try it? So my first job was as a Major League Scouting Bureau area scout in the middle part of the country. And Cargill's loss, obviously baseball's gain. How did you, how did you hone those skills? I mean, I know there are scout schools now where people are kind of told what to look for. I don't think it was as codified back then, uh, even within the Bureau, but did you just have to lean on your peers to figure out how to write it up, what you're looking for, and then allow your own abilities to, to come out? Well, there was a lot of that, but the scouting Bureau was kind of a, precursor to how scouting organizations for every for every club have evolved. They, they actually tried to train scouts. They thought of themselves as the central bureau for all the 30 different clubs. We wrote reports that all 30 clubs use in their process. So they took it very serious. And I had unbelievable mentors in my early days, not only Jay Hankins, but Jim Walton and Jim Wilson and Don Preeze and Bo Osborne and Brian Lamb, I could list a million guys who all went on to work for various clubs. So I had a tremendous early experience in regards to the training to be a scout. Yeah. And again, the, the bureau no longer exists, right? Wasn't that that went away a couple of years ago? Correct. Yeah, it, it was it. Uh, when I started working with the bureau, they were an independent organization and then they were eventually consumed by MLB and were operated out of the commissioner's office for the benefit of all 30 teams. And over the course of time, the things that the Bureau did basically just got absorbed by each club and, and they're no longer in existence. That's and it was such a great platform for people to get that functional foundational baseline element in scouting and then to move on and work for different clubs. When you began working with the twins, is that when you continued to evolve scout wise in terms of and how you went about it and, and adding your special touch? Yeah, the Bureau gave me great training in how to evaluate, look at a player and determine what tools and skills you were looking for. But when I started to work for the Twins, now you're invested in, in a team. I was just writing reports for the benefit of whoever wanted to read them with the 30 clubs. Now you're invested in a team and you have, actually have something to, to work for and you know, to strive for, you know, your organization, your club, players for your team. So it's, it's a changed mindset when you actually have that. So that, yeah. you know, and then starting to work for Terry and Andy McPhail or so many other guys and, and mentors in my early twins career that helped shape my, my evaluation skills and also who I am as a human being now. Yeah. And one of the, um, the fantastic, I think, balancing acts in the scouting world is that you're working for the Twins, and let's say I was there scouting for another team. You and I are peers. We're driving the same bad rental cars over the same bumpy roads, eating the same bad meals, you know, have the same bad sleep habits, watching the same kids, and there's a, a camaraderie there. That's a team that you work for as well, and yet we also don't want to share too much of what we know, right? The relationships in scouting, are it's a very unique experience. You, you described it very well. You're competing but you're also a fraternity, you know, you, the, it's so strange, you know, you have your friends, your neighbors, your family, who you see, and, and you know, you, you recall old times and you get together, you might not see a certain scout for months or maybe even a year, but it's like you saw him yesterday when you walk in the park together, because you know the things each of you are doing. You might know that he was at a game last week or last month that you're, you're at. So 
it's just kind of a unique uh, relationship that you build within the fraternity of scouting as you compete against each other. It's been over 20 years for me in professional baseball, and I don't think there's one thing that I've enjoyed more in this line of work than sitting around well before the seats are open, sometimes before BP has started with a bunch of scouts and let them tell stories. And that's one thing that, of all the things that have changed in the game, Mike, that hasn't changed at all. No, there's great storytellers in our business. That's for sure. But I, there's no doubt what you say is true. My learning experiences occurred more between 10 PM and closing time across America. <laughs> that's where I learned the skills of being a scout and also how do you comport yourself as a professional? I just sitting there making sure that the pitchers were full and the chips were still in the, in the basket for these old guys to tell their stories and young guys like me to listen and learn that that was what it was all about 20, 30, 40 years ago. And now as you think about it, not that you're an old guy, but you've taken the baton from some real pioneers in the industry, like firsthand pioneers, generation one in scouting world, and you've passed it down. And when you see a guy like Sean Johnson now and, 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 and you and he you know, hop in that cherry red Dodge Charger to go watch <laughs> Chase in New Jersey this year, do you feel like you've passed that baton forward as well? And are, are you proud as you almost like you would be watching your kids grow up? Well, first of all, I am an old guy. Let's get that straight, <laughs> straight away. But yeah, absolutely. I, you know, the, the best of the best do take it on themselves to pass the baton and, and to move it on. You know, that's, that's something I truly value and, and believe is important for me to do, especially now in my, in my current situation. I, I'm more of a consigliere to guys like Sean and Tim O'Neill and Billy Corrigan, the guys who now are the main thrust of the amateur scouting department. I, I just try to provide myself, Darren Johnson, some of us old guard guys, we just tried to provide some counsel and some experience to help them along the way. That's, that's really my true value now. I think you uh, do an awfully good job of that. Mike Radcliffe is our guest. We're going to talk about the changes in the scouting world. We're going to talk about some of the impacts he's made throughout a legendary career. We're also going to talk about his first remembrances of some of the current twins. That's all coming up. The show is Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer on your home for Twins Baseball. Back with more on Inside Twins. Twins Vice President of Player Personnel and Scouting Hall of Famer. That's uh, Mike Radcliffe joining us for a very special edition of Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. And again, the next time you are in uh, South Florida, uh, Southwest Florida, uh, whether it's spring training, whether you're catching the Mighty Muscles game, uh, check out uh, Kilber Root Beer Professional Scouts Hall of Fame and their newest inductee, number 16, and that is Mike Radcliffe. Mike, as we uh, Zoom this conversation, you are wearing an East Coast Pro hat. That is actually something you started, not the hat company, but that's part of the impact you've had on this industry. You talked about coming out of the Major League Scouting Bureau, working with the Twins, but you have been fundamental along with the, your peers in changing the way players group up and, and, and giving players more opportunities to be seen. How did that all come about? Uh, might be more a function of just keeping up with the Joneses, to be honest with you. But yeah, I, I, I was, uh, I'm very proud to say that I was part of the beginning of the East Coast Pro. I advocated for them. You know, I was, I was a scouting director at the time and they started their, uh, you know, they had a vision to try to create an atmosphere, a culture, a, a venue where they could get young players together to compete against each other, the best of the best and expose themselves in front of scouts and in front of the people that really were invested in them, in them the most, their, their families, their agents and the scouting people who are, you know, going to represent them for the upcoming draft. And, you know, the East Coast Pros now turned into maybe the signature summer event across the 
you know, on the scouting amateur scouting calendar for guys that are going to be drafted in the coming year. And, you know, I, I'm very proud to be a part of the beginning of that. John Castleberry and some of the other guys, scouts who got it off the ground truly deserve all the credit. But, you know, it's one of my uh, one of my greatest things that I did was advocate for that particular platform. It's turned out well. Yeah, and you know, you talk about the transition of of where you can see the most players play against the best competition, and that's changed as well. Showcase baseball is the world we live in. Uh, is it different scouting kids in a showcase where they maybe fly in to play with eight strangers that weekend and try to hit home runs and blow up the velocity on the radar gun versus bird dogging around watching them play high school basketball or high school football or with their high school teammates? It is different. It's, and I, you know, I did start scouting back when I just, when scouts would just go to Legion games and Babe Ruth games and just follow and watch players that way. But, you know, it's the way it is now. You have to concentrate uh, your efforts. You have to pool your resources. You have to try to do things efficiently and, you know, I think for the most part, the industry has come to grips with all that. And we've over the years evolved to where all these, all these things now fit into the calendar and fit into the processes where, you know, we kind of know how to skew some of that, those things that are, are drastically different from how you scouted 20 and 30 years ago. I think we've done a nice job of getting all that put together over the course of time. Yeah, and I think over the last decade plus, uh, there has been a, a, a need to adapt because there have been technological advancements where people have been very quick to say, we don't need scouts anymore. And some organizations have gone, unfortunately, to, to great lengths to try to prove that, whether it has worked or whether it hasn't. Putting the technology aside, that's a, that's a given. I understand that you can track how fast a guy runs, how hard a guy hits, what his ball does uh, to level of minutia that we wouldn't have dreamed of 25, 30 years ago. Are you still looking for the same types of kids now uh, beyond all those numbers? Are you still looking or has the game changed to the point where you're being asked to find a different skill set than you were asked to find 25 years ago? I think we're in transition. I, I think that it's core. Uh, a scout still has to vet the player, has to learn about his circumstances, where he's from, his background, because the makeup is a part of the journey. You know, that you do have to... Uh, find those tools and skills, which technology helps us to do even better now than we used to. But beyond that, there is a journey. It is a human endeavor. It takes time. You have to have certain emotional and personal skills along with the physical abilities. And, you know, scouts are still involved in that process. It's still very important to try to determine that and separate players out. Yeah, and there's so many great stories along those lines. I had texted you earlier this year when we played Baltimore because I I just realized that John Means was on the same team as Bubba Starling at a small high school not far from where you live. And I asked you, did, did people see Means as the future all-star of that bunch? And I'll never forget your response. You said, if they tell you they did, they're lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bubba Starling was a tremendous talent on the same team. He was drafted really high by the Royals and received a lot of money to forgo a football scholarship. Meanwhile, John Means told in junior college before he even got a chance. So yeah, there was a wide variance in ability there, but there was two major players right on the same field, much to, you know, not many people really realized it at the time. Yeah. And to the benefit of means because they came to watch Bubba and maybe just uh, if one guy got to see him throw and might've needed a lefty at some point down the road, then 
then away we go. I want to take our, our second break here, Mike. And when we come back, I'm going to throw some twins at you. And then I want to see if you can recall the first time their name crossed your desk, first report you read on them, or maybe even the first time you saw them with your own eyes, if that's okay with you. That sound good? Sounds great. Thanks. All right. That's our plan. We'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll chat more with Mike Radcliffe. We'll speed round on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins. Big day of baseball coming up. Twins and the Royals uh, coming up here. Salvador Perez having a season for the ages as the Twins take on Kansas City to wrap up this uh, weekend series. Inside Twins is brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created and legends are made. And we are very thrilled to have scouting legend Mike Radcliffe with us for this final segment. All right, Mike, I promise some speed round. I'll just throw some names at you and, uh, and see if you can recall the first report, the first time you laid eyes on him. And I'll start with a guy that you can't take your eyes off if he's playing anything, and that's Byron Buxton. Saw him as a junior in high school. Uh, before he was on the circuit, we were actually going to see another player in the southeast Georgia, Barron High School region, and he was playing against him, and he stood out like, you know, the unbelievable athlete he, he was and is. He was about 160 pounds back then, but amazing grace, fluidness, ease of operation, tremendous bat speed, you know, and he was throwing 95 off the mound in game two of the doubleheader that we happened to be watching that day. So, yeah, he stood out immediately. Do you, do you remember what happened to the player you went there to see? He was drafted in the first round. Unfortunately, he didn't turn out well, so I don't want to <laughs> indict the particular team who took that certain player, but he wasn't very good, actually. Well, we owe him a debt of gratitude because he got you guys to see Byron first. Amen. Amen. Let's go a little uh, international flavor. Louisa Rice. You know, I didn't see actually put my personal eyeballs on Louisa Rice till he was already in a twins uniform. But I heard about him from our scout, Jose Leon, who wanted this player so bad. And wait a minute, he's only going to cost that much. He can't be that good, Jose. Why do you want this guy? I got to have this guy. This guy's an unbelievable. He was so in on the makeup, you know, the, the tools were not really evident, to be quite honest, but he was so in on this player's personality and makeup that he had to have him. So I give Jose Leon complete and total credit for that one. Their scouting, value of scouting right there with uh, being in on the makeup. Uh, speaking of pretty solid makeup, Jorge Polanco. Yeah, that goes to Fred Guerrero. I mean, we watched him and saw him, and we really liked him as a player, all, all of us who saw him. Fred was the first, you know, he was the main scout down in the Dominican. But he was small. He was very small. He couldn't hardly move the ball around, you know, 27 home runs now and one of the best players in the major leagues. There's no way me and Fred were going to tell you he was going to hit 27 home runs back then. But we did think he was a really good player. You know, he stood out as a really good player, despite his tremendous offensive abilities now. In the year uh, in which you guys drafted a ton of, of hard-throwing college relievers, a guy that kind of went under the radar at the time, but has proven to be maybe the best of the bunch was Tyler Duffy. Uh, he was one of two guys you drafted along with JT Chigua, who's really doing a great job in Tampa Bay out of Rice. Uh, what was the, the story on Tyler Duffy? Well, he was uh, a known commodity at Rice University, turned out pitchers you know, every year back then. But he was used in relief, you know, so he didn't stay, you know, normally you go to college, you watch starting pitchers. He was a reliever. And we actually tried to turn him into a starter once we once we signed him. But we our scouts liked him all along, even though he was just a relief pitcher. You know, I give Tyler tremendous credit for going through the process he has to turn himself into the, you know, the productive major leaguer he's been the last few years for us. 
guy who went the other way, a starter at Kentucky and now a top-notch reliever is Taylor Rogers. He had to be even skinnier then than he was now. Yeah, Tim O'Dill deserves all the credit there. A lot of us saw him along that his path there at Kentucky. Yeah, Tim, he's okay. He's all right. He's okay. No, Tim was all in on that one, much like the Jose Leon comparison. He really liked the makeup and thought there was something more to this guy than what he did in college. And he was absolutely correct because he's been one of the best major league relievers the last four or five years that we've seen. A guy who's going into the Twins Hall of Fame here in a couple of weeks, Justin Morneau. Yeah, I give former twin Howie Norset a tremendous credit there. He, he alerted me to that player, you know, from the summer before when he racked up these huge numbers as, a, as an amateur. The first time I saw him, he was on the Canadian team that always comes to Florida, you know, the Canadian national team and plays against pro, pro teams, pro minor league teams. And it was just me and two, a few other scouts at this particular afternoon game. And I can remember it very vividly. I was trying to keep out of the son standing under a shade tree on the side when Justin Morneau took what I at that particular moment in time in my career was the best swing I'd ever seen by an amateur player in my life and I turned to look to both sides to see the other scouts if they were watching as well and I know one scout Kenny Medea with the Mariners he and I locked eyes after that <laughs> swing and I knew the competition was going to be for the next month before the draft so <laughs> Fortunately, we finagled our way into getting him in the third round. And now, you know, the rest is history. Justin Morneau is, is going to be a Hall of Famer. That is a great one to end on. Can you imagine if Seattle had nabbed him? They would have had to build a new freeway from Vancouver down to <laughs> Seattle to keep all those Canadians uh, filling up uh, the ballpark there in the great Northwest. Mike, outstanding to catch up with you. Uh, it's wonderful to chat. We'll do it again really soon. And congratulations on yet another super well-deserved honor. I appreciate that. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Uh, he's one of the best in the business, one of the best people, one of the best scouts. He is Mike Radcliffe, Twins VP of Player Personnel. The show is Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Stick around. we got the pregame lineup card coming up next, and then we've got some baseball, the Twins and Kansas City. It's all still to come on your home, Twins Baseball. You've been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.